Uh, first, a word from our sponsors, Sheets and Giggles. You know, I'm not necessarily sure if he's more our sponsors as much as like he sent us a gift bag and we give him shout outs on the podcast. But yeah, Colin from Sheets and Giggles, you the fucking man. I hope you're celebrating tonight. I know you're a Miami Heat fan and they having a rough time right this second. But you know what? At least we got a Trump indictment. So I'm going to sleep. Bringing well the tonight. heat in Miami. <laughs> yes. I'm hey. going to you know, there's more there's more good news coming out of South Florida than just uh the the heat and the Panthers. Um so I will be sleeping well on my wonderfully soft set of sheets from Sheets and Giggles. And audience, you should do yourself a favor and pick up a set just for you. One, two, three, four. Carol, so your theories on man, they're so nice to talk about. You have any insight on whether or not uh, filing charges against Trump in southern the Southern District of Florida would be more beneficial in the long run? Do you believe they probably should have brought the majority of the charges? In I mean, I, okay, so just determining determining venue in a federal case could be tricky, especially when there are like two nexuses. So it more often you would pick the location that has more of a nexus or a connection to the crime or whatever the subject matter of the case is. Where the so here the it would be occurred. both in Florida and DC theoretically. Um, I think being having it in Florida is pretty shrewd because it's less likely that the defendant will have a cause to object to venue or um, make there be two different cases. Um, also, he, he has less of a chance to say that the jury is too partial because they're basically in a MAGA area. So when yeah. they do the jury selection, it, it'll be harder for them to be to um, have like to make those excuses that it's a democratic uh, or pursuit of him or per, uh, persecution. Yeah, they can't have like their feigned indignance about. Oh, well, they will, but it'll be so. Pathetic. Well, anyway, um, so the jury, they'll they'll theoretically be able to have a, a less partial jury or he can't say like, oh, this is a, a witch hunt. And Democratic hoax. And yeah. I mean, they will still say that. <laughs> well, they're going to say that anyway. And just listening to the mental gymnastics of these people and I, the people that are even worse are the people that have somewhat of an education because there was this guy and I don't remember his name, but he, he was an attorney. So he went to somebody's whole law school and he sounded very reasonable though. Everything he said was a lie. Is this Tim Perlatore? Cause he'd been on TV all week saying dumb shit. No, like, no, it, not that. Oh, That's I was just going to say, like, it sounds reasonable on the surface. And then, like, you go to the, like, so, if you yeah. just ask the next logical step in, in, in you come and it to the all falls apart. Like, say, yes. Yeah. And it all falls apart because I'll do that, like, some people. And so I'll read their tweets and I go, you know, on its face, or someone will say something, I go, on its face, it almost sounds unreasonable. And then you realize when you break it down, sentence by sentence, you're like, that doesn't even make sense. Or this is contradictory. Or I know that this isn't true, but they say it with such conviction. Yeah. I'll give you a perfect example. So like with Parla Torre, he has all these explanations for a number of, of things that incur, uh, occurred during the investigation. But then you ask him like, well, Hey, do you, do you think Donald Trump understands 
you know, the items that are in his office or in his desk? Yes. Well, do you have any explanation as to why he had classified documents in his desk in Mar-a-Lago when the FBI were there to search? And he ain't got no fucking answers. <laughs> and he's a freaking lawyer. But it was like everything they were saying was like, it was just all the same thing. They just kept saying hoax and they kept saying witch hunt. And there were 10,000 people in this space almost. So it's like, there's yes. there's nothing else. There's nothing else new. Well, how do you not? There was nothing in the Miller report. Yes, there was. Yeah, go, well, that's coming from people who never read it. Yeah, I'm like, what? Are you, how are you just saying? And then they're talking about. Um, well, Ty, that, that these are the same people who will be like, well, the, there's nothing in the January 6th report. Well, have you read it? No. Have you seen the? Yeah, you know, it's like that. that um, they didn't watch the the hearings. No, and, and read then, the report. yeah, and they they didn't read the report. They didn't do so. It's like they're they're not they're disingenuous. And as much as I don't I like to be in the muck, I can't fully understand it without reading it or going through so I can have an informed. Yes, you want the information before you to make a decision about whether yeah, or not your opinion is correct. It doesn't matter. They just, they don't want the truth. Yeah. People who are making decisions about their opinions on things with no information. It's incredible. Um, speaking of which, uh, if you, if you listeners, if you've yet to read the January 6th report, don't you fret. I know it's long. I know it's involved. And you're like, damn, I got to read this like six, seven, 800 page thing. Don't you worry. We've got a free version of the January 6th report coming soon. Multi-part episodes on Pardon the Insurrection. All you got to do is hit Pardon the Insurrection, find January 6th report, hit the button, hit play. I've got... Smash, like, and subscribe. <laughs> we'll do that too. But yes, I have the forward written because that will give some context um, about where the individuals who were running that investigation were at the time and the importance of it. Um, I also have an introduction for you so you can, yeah, well, an introduction recorded as well as the first chapter. I've got, uh, chapter two coming soon. This, if this will be a slightly abridged version, it will be shorter and more summarized in the actual report. So it's not like a 14 episode podcast. It'll be more along the lines of like seven or eight. But anyway, that's coming soon. Uh, I probably would. <laughs> You'd, you'd probably be knee deep into that right now if we hadn't had the breaking news of, I don't know, uh, the first president, former president of the United States being federally indicted. Um, happy, happy indictment day. Anyway, um, we had to qualify it this time because, you know, this is the second of his indictments. <laughs> months. He just has so many indictments. Oh, and we'll find the next one way to qualify the next one too. Then that's going to be shit? in August. So when Fawny indicts him, it would be great if it was on the anniversary of the Mar-a-Lago search. <laughs> yeah, what kind of shithole former president of the United States continues to get indicted over and over? Like, how bad do you have to be at your job? Um, yeah, um, I mean, look, and there's fifty thousand things I would like to talk about this, but obviously, uh, you know, I don't want to keep everyone up all night, including the audience. One of the important things about this indictment in particular is that if he is found guilty uh, or convicted on the Espionage Act charges, so if you think about perhaps the possibility that Donald Trump will be going on on trial late summer next year, 
long after the primary, but before the general election, the fact that he could be on trial, uh, that trial concludes he's convicted of the espionage charges. Oh, shit. If you're a Republican. So that means that we're we're left with with Pudding Pop and and Chris Christie. Uh, well, you know, if you think about it, Trump's well, actually sounded normal. Wait, 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 wait. We're not gonna pat Chris Christie on the back for coming out here and finally coming around and doing like the same thing. Um, Chris Christie spent years sucking Donald Trump's dick off. And only kind of came around to the side of reason once Trump tried to have him killed with COVID. Um, Cause if you'll remember the debate where he was infected with COVID and tried to get all up in Biden's face, but Biden was like, nah, you know, the, the same debate where he avoided the COVID testing, the mandatory yeah. COVID Showed testing. Well, in the prep for that, apparently he was still contagious. Well, he was contagious uh, and Chris Christie got infected. Remember that time he ended up in the hospital for like a month with COVID? Uh, that was Trump's fault. So, you know. I mean, he a lot of it was Trump's fault. <laughs> well, I'm just saying we have multiple GOP candidates involved. And Ty, you are nip- very nipply today. Uh, we have well, multiple. Is- on. You know, I, I thought it was hot. It's not cold in there. Why are you so nipply? Oh, it is. So, but I need like something flowy and loose, and this jumpsuit is just really easy. Anyway, okay. Anyway, yeah. So we have multiple GOP candidates in the 2024 uh, Republican primary uh, who Trump tried to kill in various ways. We have Chris Christie, who Trump tried to murder with COVID, and then Mike Pence, who Trump tried to murder with the mob. <laughs> uh, we don't. So just. If you play out the scenario where Trump's convicted of espionage, no longer eligible to run for federal office in 2024, it's late summer, and they have to come up with a replacement candidate to throw on the ballot. Um, it'd be too late for a primary, and they had to just had to pick just one. Who do you think it would be? I honestly don't even care. <laughs> well, I know you don't care. I don't either. But that's so. not the the point is like they're going to need options and they currently don't have any. Well, I know that I don't like that weird ass Vivian, whatever his name is, Vivek. the anti woke guy, which yeah. I don't even know what that means. Well, I do kind of know what it means, but it, uh, well, like, oh, anti woke. Anytime they, those particular individuals that you're talking about, the Vivek Ramaswamis of the world or, you know, the Ron DeSantis, like you can just like remove woke and replace it with black. Well, I mean, technically, well, I assume it would be for them, it would be the N word. You know, when Ron DeSantis is like Florida, where woke goes to die, you can just replace that with the N word. And they just really, um, like, I just don't see how people, and they're like, oh, woke. Now, see, they're mad at Cracker Barrel. That's what? Who's, who's mad at Cracker Barrel? Mad at Cracker Barrel because they have, you know, they have those, their rocking chairs on the front porch of their, or, you know, of the store where it's supposed to be like, you know, it's a, a grandmother sitting on the rocking chair kind of. Ty, don't tell me they're mad at the at the rocking chairs. They're mad at the rocking chair because one of them, they were like, hey, um, come enjoy pride. And and, you know, like a, and the and there was a, a rocking chair that was 
one of them was the a rainbow. They had a pride chair cracker barrel and they mad about that. Out front. Yeah. And so this one, one stupid bigot. So she was just tweeting. She was like, oh, most uh, LGBTQ people I know don't associate themselves with the flag anymore now that it's associated with pedophiles. What? Like, oh, I'm like, nobody associated with pedophiles but you. Like, you did that. Like, you created... And then they're like, well, when they started coming after our kids, well, what fucking kids are they coming after? Don't nobody want your kids. Nobody wants your kids. You don't even want your kids. Unless you're Catholic. You don't even want to. They don't no even want Catholicism, but I mean, if there's any group most prominently known for the sex trafficking of children, it's the Catholic Church. Um, sorry, don't be mad they, at me. They, uh, I know you didn't mean me, but no, I'm, I was talking to the uh, imaginary. Well, they should out be there. mad at their religion, then. The thing I mean, I'm, we be trying to tell them, we be trying to tell them, but they don't want to listen to us, Carol. Whatever. No. Question your own beliefs before you come getting mad at us. You know? Pick a state. Pick a state known for you know it's it's heavy Catholic background. You hit the Google button, add in you know child sex trafficking, and boom, it'll pop up. It's like oh, the Catholic Church is the most you know prominently known group with the most instances of child sex trafficking. So. Good luck, guys. Well, that's because the Catholic Church is Philadelphia, Illinois. Just go down the list. Anyway, yeah, uh, we don't have time to do that though. This is this is we're supposed to be doing the Shadden fraud or whatever, and then now we're we've gone off on these multiple tangents. Um, again, like <laughs> we're <laughs> we're living in a world where there's endless breaking news and and we can't even get to any of it because Trump dominates it because he keeps getting indicted for crimes. Uh <laughs> like North America's on fire. The government's found aliens. Like we narrowly avoided uh, you know a default on our credit which would have tanked the global economy. And and we can't even talk about the specifics of all those things because like this crazy insane shit has happened. Um I also <laughs> had a number of notes about multiple things concerning the investigation at Mar-a-Lago, but of course we had indictments. Um, you know, earlier this week news broke about <laughs> the possibility that an individual working at Mar-a-Lago who was involved in helping Walt Nada moved the boxes of classified information, was told to drain the pool. <laughs> I love then, this story. <laughs> and then somehow managed to drain the pool directly into the room with the servers that hosted the surveillance footage. But they didn't Lago. even succeed in destroying them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we like to refer to... I, that is, we're, we're referring to that on this podcast as Underwatergate. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. funny. <laughs> it's very cheesy, but I, I thought it was cute. Um, we, yeah, we won't have time to get into that. Of course, you know, we had that. I had notes about Trump's legal team receiving the target letter from DOJ. I mean, if well, it's become apparent that he's clearly not only a target, he's been indicted. So we can throw that out. I wonder who the co-conspirator is. 
I mean, there's a conspiracy. There's at least one other person being charged, right? Or, well. So we have that to look forward to when the documents are released. And we get to see the details and the ins and outs of the indictment. Um, Carol, are you able to explain, you know, in general, what a speaking indictment is and whether or not you believe we'll be seeing one from Jack Smith's office? Did you say speaking indictment? Speaking indictment. So with my limited legal expertise, a lot of times in criminal indictments, you just get like the inf- the criminal information. You get like basic quotations of a statute and, and information saying, hey, this individual on such and such date, at such and such time did X, Y, Z in violation of criminal statute, whatever. Right. You know, very bare bones, basic statement. But on 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 some occasions, you know, if you followed the Mueller investigation of the Russian inv- interference in the 2016 election. Uh, Mueller's office indicted a number of uh, individuals involved in the hacking of the DNC. And in, in that in that particular indictment, it was a very well laid out, long, thorough, detailed of all the actions taken up to and afterward of the hacking um, in order to well, influence the election. Right. It's got like this whole long story and narrative and all the details surrounding all the actions taken. Very thorough analysis of the implications and and what their motive was and what their aim was. And right. So when you get an indictment that includes all those details and, and lays out a story for you, that's 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 a more of a what they refer to as a speaking indictment. Again, I'm not a prosecutor. I've never had to make the decisions about, you know, under what circumstances you want to be, give a more elaborate insight into the charging process and why you came to the conclusions as to why you believe crimes were committed. But um, I imagine in this case, given the fact that Trump's a former president, just the high profile nature of the case um, and the public interest, you know, Jack Smith will give us a very thorough, detailed analysis of why he thinks Trump committed the crimes as well as the statutes as to which he believes were violated. Uh, it, he'll lay it out for us long before we ever get to trial. So anyone who's like, oh, man, Jackson, you know, the Biden administration, it's a witch hunt. No, you're going to get all the facts and you're going to get them soon. So just. Be patient, guys. I mean, obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, like, I don't give a fuck about no facts. Lock his ass up. Um, <laughs> and I'm totally on board with that. Like, I, I understand that sentiment, but there are a lot of skeptical individuals out there in the world who are like, oh, I need to hear all the details. Like, like, convince me that it's not a witch hunt. And, and I believe Jackson's office will do that very thoroughly long before we ever get to in trial. But just when the indictment is unsealed. All right, kids. Any, any other things you would like to talk about this evening before we wrap this up? And Yeah, there's a fucking cloud of smoke over the world and Canada's on fire and it's bullshit. And I want <laughs> the world to be good. <laughs> I'm pissed about that. Um, it shouldn't have to be up to Chrissy over there to solve climate change for us. 
That well, is true. Did you hear what what's it? James Bradley's misogynistic, blaming it on women, Canadian women. I did see that. Oh my god! It was a long freaking um, tweet, and then he was like, "The reason for this is women." It's Canadian women firefighters because they want to be woke and they wanted to diversify and not hiring the most uh, qualified people. And it's like, these people just say anything. Girl, I was fucking crazy. I saw it too. I was like, what? what women you fi- You're blaming this on women firefighters? Like, really? Well, Biden has really? uh, sending a bunch of resources and some firefighters and stuff to Canada. Yes, President Biden to the fucking rescue, as per the usual. Like, if it was Trump, he'd be, like, sending people to rake the forest in New York. I seen that, that it was more um, that it seems to have been, like, dispersing a little bit. But literally, somebody went on, this guy was on Laura Ingram, and he says, if there's nothing toxic, he goes, why are these people wearing masks and staying inside? This isn't toxic. Girl, that was on Fox News telling their viewers to, well, let them breathe smoke. Breathe in. Get, take that black lung and, you know. That was crazy. You saw that, too? I was like, this yeah, is that was- insane. Yeah. And Laura, is old people. Tackling and eagling. And and you know just, she's inside with her air purifier and she's got a mask in between the yeah exactly building in her car <laughs> vaccinated with her vaccine passport yeah they told like millions of people don't get vaccinated in pandemic and now they're telling people not to wear masks in like you know the worst air quality oh, on the history well, of the planet that, that they are all about self preservation. Well, um, how are you? How are they preserving themselves if they're killing their fucking audience, Ty? They don't care. They're playing a, a shorter game than, you know, they don't think they'll be around long enough. I guess they're, they're, their audience isn't going to die that fast. I mean, are they? <laughs> yeah. they're, riding the, they're riding this train out until, you know, while there's still gravy on it or however that metaphor works. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Man, look, okay. Uh, I, I got to be honest with you. There's so much more about this shit that I want to talk about, but it would be like four podcasts. We, I just go on forever. So uh, b- before we wrap it up, uh, one of the things I wanted to say was like, just the idea. Okay. So it's been rumored again, like dumbass thinking he can pardon himself, issued a self pardon before he left office. I mean, I, again, rumors, like we don't have any evidence of that to suggest that whatsoever. But in, in this specific instance, it doesn't matter largely because uh, the criminal activity that he's being charged for took place after he left office and you can't pardon people for actions taken in the future. So even if he like issued a pardon, but for to himself for taking the documents while he was in office, well, the pardon's not good after the date. And then again, there'd be legal issues that he would have, Proving that the pardon was valid anyway, because we're not even entirely certain whether or not. Do you think he'd be freaking out the way he is if he thought his pardon was valid? I mean, well, he freaks out anyway. He doesn't need anything to do what he does. Well, part of that is also because, you know, it's the Pat Robinson uh, version of asking people to send in money in exchange for prayers. Right. He's gassing up his base to donate money. Um 
Uh, any other quick details I can get to? Oh, um, so in this particular instance, and, and why this is important, um, <laughs> that he's being indicted federally for espionage because it's a federal crime. Republicans, I imagine, in who are participating in the 2024 primary will use the idea of pardoning Trump one to garner support from Republican voters and two um, when 2024 rolls around, should Trump not be the nominee to convince Trump to not pack up his toys and go home. Right. So he's got a large loyal base and uh, should anyone else besides Trump be the nominee Trump could end their prospects for winning the 2024 election with, you know, a simple untruth on untruth social by, by telling his, you know, supporters to stay home or whatever, or just, you know, fuck DeSantis slash Pence, whoever the nominee should be. And one way to entice Donald Trump to put his energy into convincing his supporters to support the eventual nominee would be to dangle the pardon the same way Trump dangled pardons to individuals during the Russian investigation. So just, just keep that in mind. But I would say, you know, anyone listening to this podcast, if you're concerned about 2024 and President Biden's chances, I mean, if Trump's the nominee, there's no, like, I'm not necessarily concerned about Trump winning an election fairly. That's impossible at this point. Uh, but there is always a slim possibility that due to some shenanigans, like running fake third party candidates that are paid for by the GOP, it split the vote in swing states enough to give Trump a chance. And that the fact that the Supreme Court, as it stands, is super right leaning with a number of Trump appointees itself, that they might. And a serious voter rights case is coming up next week, probably before SCOTUS. Uh, well, I mean, we didn't get a chance to talk about that in this podcast today again because of the num just the nature of the news. More? Um, but in in some ways, SCOTUS today decided that they weren't going to further gut the the Voting Rights Act yet. So at least some good news in that department. Unless they rule next week that the state legislators can can decide oh, uh, man. Look, who, we, who wins an election. Oh, man, it's so bad. So just remember, um, sorry, I'm skipping ahead to my closing thoughts, but on that, <laughs> the, this is going to be my main takeaway on the on this unrelated to our main thing issue. Uh, in ca- just in case SCOTUS threw us a bone to quiet us down ahead of that case, like make a lot of fucking noise about that upcoming case next week. We don't want state state legislators state state legislators (laughs) deciding um, who wins elections. So like preserving this part of the Voting Rights Act isn't going to mean too much when if that happens. So just, you know, don't don't roll over on that one just yet. Right. If you can't tell, we've been drinking because we've been celebrating. All right. Yeah. But what I was saying is like the, the chances of Trump lit, winning legitimately are slim. But if it's close, uh, he put enough of his personal handpicked appointees on the Supreme Court uh, that they could pull a, a 2000 in, in Al Gore's to death. They didn't do it for him last time. Uh, it wasn't close enough. Yeah. <laughs> it was too, Biden won too many states. And, you know, sadly, our election strategy has to been 
has to be win by a margin too big for them to cheat. But if Trump is not the nominee and there is another GOP nominee for the 2024 election, the only way Biden can reasonably lose is if somehow the infighting slash civil war in the Republican Party manages to stop. So do your best to be chaos agents and have them fight each other at every turn. All right, Ty, you got any closing thoughts before I get to my legitimate closing thoughts? Uh, not really. I'm just keeping an eye on next Tuesday. It will be interesting to see. I have a feeling that MAGA is going to probably show up and do some protesting because, you know, Florida is their favorite place. So they love to get out and act ridiculous when it comes to um, when it comes to to that. Um, it would be interesting to hear what uh, Ron DeSantis has to say about this. I think um, grave injustice, has- you know, this is a abuse of the Justice Department. They've all made their dumb tweets. They all say the same thing on a formula. Yeah. They're going to say, this weapon is, a, we need to defund in this weaponization of. If they yeah. could come after <laughs> Trump, they could come after anyone who stole and retained net classified, classified documents. documents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's how exactly. it works. They, they, they just, their, uh, their political opponent, who is they? And how many people are, are running against, like, what, you know, and then the way they keep saying. I mean, they literally voted for a guy whose whole platform was taking revenge on his political enemies. I mean, that was all 2016. He was going to lock up Hillary. He was going to lock up Obama. He was going to lock up this person. He was going to lock up that person. All he was going to do was just lock people up. Like, that was his whole thing, was weaponizing the... And he's saying the same thing. I'm going to be your retribution. I'm going to do this, you know? There are still some very dangerous people and there are some people who are probably very scared right now. And scared makes people do very, very unpredictable and crazy things when they feel backed into a corner. But I have a feeling, you know, Trump is a very vindictive person and he's not above throwing somebody under the bus, under the bus. But um, I think, you know, I don't know. I think there's going to be some covering their their ass but i would like to see i'd like to see some other people get caught up especially some of these awful um people in the in the congress i would really like to see um some of them get their due because they shouldn't even be in office i'm just so tired of all these people i'm so tired of these well if mark meadows is cooperating with jack smith uh i think you're gonna get your wish in the coming months I don't think you'll even have to wait that long. I mean, before the year is over. I think he had a lot to lose, and he knows that his boss is not loyal. Oh, yeah. He knows that it's only one way street. Well, that's a- And I think that he was well, waiting. I, you know? I was going to say that's part of my closing thoughts, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I think he was like kind of waiting to see what kind of case they had and if they had before he really jumped the gun until he knew that he had nowhere to go. And after that phone call came out, I think he was like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, the recording of that phone call is crazy. Okay, as for my, well, before I get to my closing thoughts, uh, I'd just like the one short sports, sports ball minute of the week. Uh, my man, Jokic, Nikolai, 
He from one one of them worn torn countries over there. I don't know like how specific we need to get about his background, but uh my man's had a 30, 20, 10 triple double in the NBA finals, some shit I ain't never heard of before. That was fucking gangster. Uh sports ball minute of the week over. Um all right, as for my closing thoughts, um, as Ty was alluding to, the nature of being loyal to Donald Trump, it it, it comes with his own risks. Uh, because Trump just by nature will push you to a point where, uh, <laughs> the only way you can continue to remain loyal to Trump is commit a number of federal crimes and not everyone is necessarily willing to risk decades in prison for someone who will turn on them at, at any given opportunity. And, and like you said, with Mark Meadows, the second that it was clear that Meadows could be a potential cooperator. He knows uh, that Trump could potentially lash out and make his life miserable. I mean, we've already seen Mike Pence, an individual who's been more loyal to Trump, well, at least was more loyal to Trump for years than anyone else up to, you know, January 5th, when he wouldn't agree to completely throw away the Constitution and and engaged in an (laughs) well okay no one was more loyal to trump during his presidency than mike pence and what did mike pence get on trump's way out of office well you know trump decided that he was going to send a mob after pence in in order to have him hanged on the south side lawn of the capitol building is fucking bananas And if Trump is willing to do that to anyone who's been beyond loyal, Trump is willing to try and have anyone killed, you know, in order to say a free man or in order to gain power. Um, So I would say that given the fact that we're in a situation where a a civil war among Republicans is coming, if not already here, I mean, we've already seen the divides. You know, given that Kevin McCarthy chose to negotiate with with Biden on the debt ceiling and 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 now he's being held hostage by MAGA Republicans, uh, you know, Chris Christie and Mike Pence coming out saying straightforward that they don't believe Donald Trump will be the nominee, meaning like, I, you know, I'm, it's it's the most weak sauce possible way you could take a shot at Trump, given, you know, that Pence was almost murdered by Trump. <laughs> But like people are going to have to pick sides soon and anyone who doesn't want to potentially face Trump's ire will have to reckon with all of the individuals who don't think it's in their best interest to continue supporting Trump. I mean, the war is coming. I I suggest I imagine that if you're listening to this podcast, you're you're on neither of their sides. <laughs> you're you're on the pro democracy side. You're voting for Joe Biden in 24. Um, but what I would recommend you do is is think of every way you can, every every possible way that you can to create chaos and sow division amongst the other side and keep them fighting them themselves, divide and conquer. Famous philosophy of Song Zoo. Be the pipe bombs outside their RNC. Figuratively, not literally. (laughs) 
keep them in disarray, keep them disorganized, keep them fighting themselves. And when 2024 rolls around, they will be exhausted and their resources extinguished and they won't have the ability to put up a fight. And, and that will be one of the main keys to saving our democracy in 2024. And that concludes this episode of Part of the Insurrection.